0: The following does not represent tax, legal, or financial advice, and does not claim a guarantee of results, as every situation is unique. It also may include the tasteful use of blue-collar language that some people might find offensive. Listener discretion is advised. Alright, I'm ready. Coffee. Mmm. I just burnt my tongue. Let's get started. I'm Anthony Crane from MoneyGodfather.com, and this is Your Money Godfather Podcast, where I guide you to find clarity in defining what you want and why. I help you to build a roadmap on how to get it, and I show you that you can have a great time while doing it. Because I believe that if you want to be rich, you first must be free. Today's episode, we're going to talk about spectators, speculators, and commentators, and why it behooves you to be ready to prepare for them. Man, spectators, speculators, and commentators, that could be an entirely different podcast all on its own. We all love giving out our opinions. It's fun. I get it. But is it useful? That is the question. Especially during an uncertain time, where you're trying to figure out a different path in your life because you realize that it shouldn't be this hard. Making money shouldn't be at the forefront of everything that you do. And being an entrepreneur, at least in the beginning, or especially in the beginning, it's very scary. They don't teach this stuff in school. In fact, they teach the opposite. Do what you're told. Show up on time. Do your homework. And if you fail at any of those, there's consequences that you have to deal with. Get a secure job. That's how you become a productive member of society. So, spectators, speculators, and commentators, who are they? They are everywhere. They walk among us. They give us unsolicited advice, even when we don't solicit it all in the name of wanting to protect us. There's another trifecta of people that I want to start off with. And when I heard this, something clicked in my head. I'm like, man, that is so true. In the entrepreneurial sphere, there are three types of people. Those that make things happen. Those that watch things happen. And those that wonder, what just happened? Well, in that same vein is what I'm talking about. I'm not one for labels, but it is important to quickly figure out who you're talking to or who is talking to you so you can assess their opinion or their ideas. A spectator is just watching things happen. The two groups of people that we naturally look for validation are our friends and our family. And unless uh, one of your friends or a member of your family is where you want to be at, exactly doing what you want to do, which is what a mentor should be, who you should be looking for, they're going to fall into one of these three categories. Spectators, speculators, or commentators. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just important for you to identify them so you know what to do with the information that they are going to freely give to you. All in the name of, I want to protect you. I don't want you to get hurt. I want you to be careful. And the opposite is also true. Oh, go for it, man. You got this. Yeah, I believe in you. I know you're the kind of person that you can do anything if you put your mind to it. Okay, well, thank you for those opinions, but none of them are useful. And that's what we're trying to determine right now. Are these opinions of these people that care for us useful? So a spectator will be in one of those two camps. He'll be all for it. You know, go ahead, become an entrepreneur. I know you can do it. Or, no, man, you don't want to do that. That's, uh, that's very risky. That's very risky. Nobody, can, and then they start pulling statistics out of the orifice of their choosing. You know, nine out of 10 people fail in the first five years. You don't want to do that. You can't afford that. You're too young. You're too old. You are not responsible enough. You are too responsible. The list goes on. And none of that is useful. You're starting to see a trend here, right? A speculator is slightly different. A speculator is somebody that has read many books on the subject, has watched many videos, has friends that are also entrepreneurs, and he consider or she considers themselves an expert. They'll say things like, oh, you don't want to do that. I own many leather-bound books on the matter and my house smells of rich mahogany or you could be telling one of your friends you know i am thinking about starting my own business you know um this is what i want to do and his response will be like oh yeah oh you don't want to go down that road No, Cherie, they say that road was built on top of an old Indian burial ground. There's always that guy, right? Wearing overalls and a straw hat. Chewing on a blade of grass. I'm a real estate investor, so my realm is real estate investing. And when I first started out, I started out by reading. The first book I read on the subject was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. By Robert Kiyosaki. As much as that has become a cliche for real estate, it still stands true. If you haven't read it, read it, even if you're not interested in real estate. In my opinion, it's not going to teach you much, but it's going to encourage you to look for more information. And anywhere, it's a great story. The story is about Robert growing up in Hawaii. And essentially having two mentors. His dad, who is uh, was a very accomplished scholar. And his best friend's dad, who was an entrepreneur. I'll let you guess what kind of entrepreneur. Yes, real estate. Good job. Now guess which one was considered the rich dad and which was considered the poor dad. His point wasn't to talk down to anybody or devalue education, there there was none of that. The point of the story is him growing up and realizing the two different paths that we can all take. One of the paths, the beaten path, is what we're taught since we're kids, Since we go to school, like I mentioned earlier, show up on time, do your homework, do as you're told, or there's consequences. When you grow up, go to college so you can secure a safe, good-paying job, and start saving for your retirement. At 65, retire. The end. You probably don't want to wait until you're 65, like I don't want to wait until I'm 65, so, I did something about it. So, the book is a fun read. I'm not here to sell you the book. I'm just opening a door for you. Read the book, take everything you read in it with a grain of salt, and see where that journey takes you. There was some controversy a while back about people saying that that it wasn't a true story, that some of the parts were made up. They were probably based on real people, but it wasn't a true story. Some people say it was. This man served as a captain in the Marine Corps, I believe, a helicopter pilot. So I should give him a certain level of credibility. My question to those people will be, why does it matter? Did you get the message or did you not? Did it inspire you to do something or did it not? So that's what I mean. Take it with a grain of salt. It's supposed to inspire you to look for more information, to get started, to take that leap of faith, to believe in yourself. There is easier ways to make money and they're all around you. I call those ways money trees because it's just as easy as just showing up. Sometimes if you want to make money, you just have to show up. These opportunities are what I call money trees. And if you're trained to find them, to identify them as soon as possible, you will be the first one to pick the low-hanging fruit, the easy pickings. I'll give you a very quick example. This is very realistic. You, It, it actually might have happened to you and you just didn't know it. But think back, see if something like this happened, where you're just talking to your neighbor or a friend or a member of your family... And you know, like this person is an old, frail lady. You know, her eyes always look squinty. She's so old. She's always knitting something. Like no matter where she goes, this lady is always knitting something. She could be in the, in the DMV or waiting in the dentist office or waiting in line at the grocery store. And she's knitting. She's always knitting something. You never know what it is, but she's knitting something. And she's really cool to talk to. You know, she's fun, she's she's open, she's too old to really care about people's opinions anymore. And all you have to do is ask, uh, hey, uh, how you doing today?
1: Oh, I tell you, I can't complain. Today I woke up on the wrong side of the bed, and my ankle moved funny, but I can't complain. I realized the trash man didn't come to pick up our trash, and that's when I found out it wasn't the right day. My hemorrhoids were acting up, and they were very itchy. The entire bus ride over here made me wish I just had a toothbrush and a five-minute break. I, oh, um, well, that's, that's pretty amazing. Um, Not only that, but I've been wanting to empty my garage. I called several companies, and they want to charge me $2,000. Just to pack it in a truck and put it in storage. My only income now is from Social Security. Because I'm not as young and sprightly as I used to be. I used to be a dancer. On a good night, I could go home with $50. Just to shake around my dibley bits. Like,
0: oh, okay, whoa, that's, um, <clears throat> all right, that's uh, that a bit too much information. Now, my question to you, though, is, did you get it? Did you catch it? Immediately after she was done talking, I would have asked, $2,000 is a lot of money. How much, how much can you afford? And see what she says. Her response could be uh, $300 or it could be $1,500. And that is your opportunity to jump. I'll do it for you, sweet old lady. Don't you worry about anything. I would love to help you solve your problem. And she would be so grateful to you. And you would be so grateful to her. And if you see the amount of stuff that you have to move and how much a truck rental would cost, how much uh, gas you would have to put in the truck, you might even be able to hire a couple of your friends. For a case of beer and a pizza. All you have to do is empty the garage, drive it to the storage, empty the truck, and you get paid. You will not see this money tree on any ads or any bandit signs, you know, like those handmade signs that are handwritten and by the side of the road. And if you didn't do it, that poor lady probably would still have a garage full of stuff probably some awesome vintage stuff that you can offer to buy from her or sell for her for a commission. And there you go. There's another opportunity and another one and another one. And it just snowballed. It opens, man, I'm just so excited. It opens this entire realm of possibilities once you understand what to look for. And what you're looking for is a win-win situation. How can I help solve your problem and what are you willing to do for me? See a need, feel a need. And yes, you can do it. Anybody can do it. It's not hard. You just have to pay attention and be willing to jump and believe in yourself. Circling back, that's not going to happen if the people you surround yourself with are only spectators, speculators, and commentators. So a speculator says, I've read all of these books, I studied statistics, I've been trying to do that, and I always hear these horror stories, so I didn't do it, and I recommend you don't do it either. It's like, well, if you want to look at negative statistics, I can figure out negative statistics for anything, all day. The analogy I like to refer to is driving or riding in a car. You know, is there a possibility of a wreck? Yeah, sure there is. Do your chances of getting hurt increase exponentially the moment you step into a vehicle? Yeah, probably, most likely. But is that going to stop you from enjoying the convenience of driving a car, or riding a bus, or taking a plane, transport, transportation? If we live in fear, we'll, we'll never do anything that's not a way to live. At that point, you're just existing. And since now we established that 78% of statistics are made on the spot, I'm willing to bet you that there's 8 billion people on this planet and probably 7 billion of them are just existing. And what a terrible waste. I don't want you to be one of those people. I want you to have dreams and goals and be able to achieve them as soon as possible, not when you're 65. So a spectator is uh, either doom and gloom or a cheerleader, right? Yeah, you can do it. Oh no, that sucks. A speculator somebody that knows probably a lot about the business, but has never taken action because of analysis paralysis or his fear of failing. And I'm going to let you in a little secret, okay? Don't tell anybody. If you tell us so, I'm going to deny it. But one of the superpowers of being an entrepreneur is that we use our fear of failing as a tool. Trying something and learning from your mistakes is the best training you could get anywhere, the best education you can get anywhere. You can study the theory all day, but it's not until you do it and you figure out what works and what doesn't work that you truly realize what you're capable of. Again, a whole realm of possibilities open up to you with a little shift in your thinking. The last category is a commentator. These guys are more reactive, I would say. They look a lot like spectators, but they're waiting for you on the other side. If you go ahead and do it and fail, the speculator would say, see, I told you so. And the commentator would say, yeah, I knew that was going to happen. If you take that leap of faith and you succeed, the speculator will say, I knew you had it in you. The commentator will say, I knew that was going to happen. So, neither of them useful, right? You will find each of these groups in the wild, at work, in your house, watering their garden, picking up their newspaper, driving to the coffee shop. They're everywhere. Just be aware of this and... Prepare a response. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you for, for letting me know. Don't call them out because that will be a quick way of ending up with no friends and alienated from family. But I've said it before of a skill that you should start practicing immediately. It'll, it'll save you a lot of heartache and headaches, which is compartmentalizing. Keep your personal life personal. Keep your work life personal. At work, and if you're starting a business or thinking about starting a business, only discuss it with other people that are in the business. The goal is you want to surround yourself by more people that are actually doing it, and you will be able to see the difference in the value of their opinions. It has nothing to do with the value of the person, the value of their opinion. If somebody tells you, yes, I tried that and it didn't work because this, this, and this, that is much different than somebody telling you, I read statistics and I know it's not going to work. So give their feedback the value that it deserves. There's another expression that I learned early on in my real estate investing career. Because real estate investing is is like an art. There are so many different ways to invest that it leaves a lot of room for creativity. You have landlording, you have wholesaling, you have quick turning, formerly known as flipping, you have short-term rentals, and there's other strategies that are more advanced, but they're beyond the scope of this conversation right now. The expression is, stay in your lane. In the beginning, when you're picking money trees, these opportunities are things that don't require much skill. They don't require you to learn something. They don't require you to have a license to practice. So keep these things in mind before you commit to something. I'm talking about electricity, plumbing, etc. You know, like you you can change a light bulb, sure. You, You can change a toilet bowl, sure. But jobs that are more complicated than that might require you to be licensed, bonded, and insured. So just check with your local ordinances to see where you stand. So stay in your lane. If you are an expert in landlording, don't try to give advice on wholesaling or if you do serve it with a slice of humble pie like hey you know that's not my lane but i did take a class and this is what i learned from the class and it's it it's possible for you to do this or do that or for this to happen or that to happen and we all fall for it at some point you know there's there's nothing wrong with that you just have to realize it's happening for that assignment of value that i'm talking about Even when it comes to attorneys, you never want to ask a significant question for real estate, for example, to a family practice attorney. You know, I'm talking about questions in which your business hinges on, like, can I do this in this area? Or how do you go about, like, for example, how do you go about doing land trusts in this state? The general attorney or family practice attorney. Might know about it. They all go to school. They all learn about this, but their specialties. They might be able to answer your question, but it's not going to be the best answer that you deserve. And they might actually put their opinion about the matter into their answer. So, can you see how this starts getting complicated? So, if you have a real estate question, ask a real estate attorney. If you have a business formation question, Or a corporate question, you ask a business attorney. The same thing for patents and trademarks. And even so, the question that you should ask is, is this legal or not? I'll give you another example. With landlording, I always have my attorneys review my contracts before they go live. And I asked them to poke holes in it, to try to sit on the other side of the table and find loopholes or things that I didn't cover so I can make my contract better. My contracts today are, are bulletproof. But I started my real estate business over 10 years ago. So the question was, should you take a deposit? Normally, when you rent a property, they, uh, the, the landlord asks you for a deposit. That's money that they hold in escrow up until you move out, in which case they look at the house and they take money from there if there's anything that needs to be replaced or repaired, etc. It's your money. They're just holding it. And that is uh, the issue sometimes. That it behooves you, regardless if it's a required law or not. But it would be smart to hold that money in a different account and one that you can clearly state that that money has not been touched, that you don't use it, you don't invest it, you didn't spend it, you didn't move it. It's just been sitting there. And that checking account or that savings account, you name it escrow. Again, I don't know if in your area this is a law, but it should be your practice anyway for transparency purposes. So the attorney was saying, uh, you have here that you're not charging deposit. You should charge a deposit. It's typically like one month's rent plus 15%, or just one month's rent. The reason why you would add 15% would be so. Tenants don't try to use that to pay the last month of their lease. That's not what the deposit is for, but moving on. My question to her was, is it illegal for me not to charge a deposit? Her answer was, no, it is not illegal. Okay, so leave it alone. So you see, what happened was she gave me her opinion. But I had to refocus the conversation on what is legal and what is not legal. So thank you for your opinion, but I'm going to go this way. Now, if you told me that's against the law, then that's different. Let's rewrite the entire thing. So know the difference between attorneys, uh, the difference in your limitations of what a handyman is and what a contractor is. A contractor holds a license to be a contractor. Some places you can get a license to be a handyman, but chances are you can replace light bulbs and Christmas lights and other small electrical things that you're comfortable with without a license. But check your local ordinances, okay? So legally speaking, go check your local laws and your local ordinances. Now, doctors have this Spot on. If you ever had any complication whatsoever, you you typically have a family practice, a general practitioner doctor, you know, a doctor you go to for everything, he does your, your yearly checkups. But if something comes up in a blood test or you express a symptom that would require a specialist, they don't even give you their opinion. They just send you to the specialists. Now, aren't they doctors? Don't they have licenses? Yeah, sure. But you know what? I'm not going to give you my opinion because I'm not a specialist. So go see the cardiologist or go see a psychiatrist or gynecologist. You know, like, that's what I mean. Doctors have it down packed. If it's something that is not my specialty, I will not even give you my opinion on the matter. I'm going to refer you to a specialist. Stay in your lane. Now, you might be tempted to talk your friends and family into seeing your point of view. Hey, you know, I I am safe. I've been doing the research. I've been reading books. I'm starting small. I have a mentor. You have nothing to worry about. I can do this. Well, they're going to either believe you can do it or not. But don't try to change their opinions. Most people are are very set in their opinions, and and that conversation is probably just not going to end well. I can tell you that's the case of people that are renters or people that are buyers of houses. The renters will say, I'm never going to buy a house because it's too expensive, or chances are I won't qualify for a loan. Plus, I like just picking up the phone when the toilet clogs Calling the landlord and say, hey, come fix it. I don't want the responsibility of fixing stuff around the house. Right? Something amongst those lines. And a buyer, you can't convince him to be a renter. Like, man, I'll just be throwing away money paying for some other dude's house, paying for his mortgage. Why, if I can pay for my own mortgage? I don't care if I have to do repairs myself. Leave them each with their set of beliefs. It's not your job to convince them to do anything. There was a quote from that book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, that I'd like to share with you because he touches on this also. He says, don't ever try to teach a pig to sing because you'll waste your time and you'll annoy the pig. So the best thing to do is, like I said, compartmentalize. Discuss family stuff with family, work stuff with workers, and business stuff with your mentor. How can you identify if this person talking to you is a mentor? Well, does he fall in one of the other categories? Is he a spectator? Is he a speculator? A commentator? Is he or she one of the above or all of the above? You know, you could be more than one. If that person is none of the above, that is a potential mentor. That person is actually doing what you want to do or what you're curious about starting and is at a place further ahead in that career that you want to take. So try to befriend that person or pick their brain if they allow you to. Invite them to lunch. But start surrounding yourself with people that think like you think. Not with people that just support your ideas and encourage you to do things, which are very important things. But the most important is how. How do I go about doing this? And how do I not get in trouble? What should I look out for? Because you did it. So I want to know how you did it. And remember that when you are in the other side of the conversation and somebody comes up to you and asks you, Hey, what's your opinion on buying houses or investing in stocks? Or do you think I should invest in Bitcoin or in the foreign exchange? There is nothing wrong with not knowing everything. In fact, people will respect you more if you clearly define your limitations. I I don't know about that. I read about it. I could tell you what I read about it, but I don't know enough to give you my opinion. And that's something that's very rare, especially nowadays. Because like I said in the beginning, we all want to share our opinions and do it freely, especially if there's a captive audience that they can't go anywhere. But something you say, one of your opinions might push the balance towards one way or another. And instead of helping the person, it's going to cause the opposite effect. So watch out for that. And you can have more than one mentor. People that are in different stages of the career that you want to take. So keep your eyes open, keep your mind open, and keep your ears open. Money trees are everywhere. And mentors are happy to share their experience with people that are willing to learn and are willing to put in the work you too will be a mentor someday and you will appreciate it when people that are asking for your opinions or your help are not there to waste your time i invite you to share this message with someone that you care about that you think this might be helpful to them if i've earned it please rate this episode and leave me a comment so other people can see it including myself every episode is an important piece that gets you closer to freedom and stick around i'll be showing you what other money trees look like i gotta go now and water my succulents but we'll talk again soon take care